Here's our prayer. Lord Jesus, today, speak to me. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, high five, high five or pound, fist pound your neighbor over there. All right. Now, everybody needs an extra hug, so reach over there and hug them. Come on. Come on. Red, Red's looking for Scott over here, so it's going to be fun. Everything's good, he says. Brother Reggie struck the fear of God in him over there. That's good. All right. Every time I watch uh, the news on TV, uh, you, you get a little depressed, don't you? They just don't have much good stuff on there. It seems like it's all bad news. It, uh, standard evening news uh, could be murder on the east side, carjacking on the west side, recession all around. And uh, at the top of the hour, uh, family pets are being held for ransom. <laughs> you know, uh, just seems like bad news all the way around. Uh, then they'll throw in that little water ski and squirrel every now and then, just kind of lighten the load. And uh, I don't know, there's just something about a squirrel water ski and it just gets you lifted up, right? <laughs> but it seems like the day-to-day living in the world that we're in, it's impossible to deny that things are not as they should be. The world that we live in is messed up. It's out of order. It cannot possibly be as our Creator intended for it to be. You ever wonder, find yourself wondering and looking around and just saying, boy, you know, this just isn't right. This just isn't right. A world that's filled with pain, with hunger, with disease, with greed, all kinds of human atrocities, it just can't be right. Something has gone horribly wrong. And today, begin a series... The story of everything. And you might say, well, that's kind of a weird title. Stay with me. Stay with me on that. Because this series deals with somewhat, in in some form or fashion, what we believe or what we should believe in. We're going to look at sin, at Jesus, at the Holy Spirit, and at church. And we're going to look at the story of those and how that fits into uh, the idea of the story of everything. I'm not going to do doctrine. You know, we don't recite creeds. But it's a story, a great story, and it's a true story. But every great story has a villain. True? It does. Villains give the story some zest, some pop. Villains create the drama that we crave in that good story. Got to have them. I used to watch cartoons and Snidely Whiplash. Remember that one? <laughs> and he'd curl out his handlebar mustache as he tied Polly Purebride on the, on the, boy, I'm dating myself, aren't I? How about some of these? You, you help me with these. In the Wizard of Oz, who, in the Wizard of Oz, who's the villain? That wicked witch. And remember what she said? I'll get you, my pretty, and your little dog, too. Big old long nose, right? How about in Star Wars? Who's the villain? Darth Vader. And what was his famous line? Luke, I'm your father. You can look, you can get a box fan and, and get right into it, and it sounds just like him. Luke, I'm your father. I have a preacher friend, and this is a true story. He named his second child Luke just so he could say that phrase. He did. I'm, I'm not lying to you. 
And then of recent day, uh, an evil villain on the big screen in Batman. What was, what's the nemesis for Batman in the most recent? Joker the, in the Dark Knight, right? Oh, Heath Ledger, he did it well. But in the story of everything, there are villains plenty. Despite what you may have been told, the real villain in our story is not a person. It's more of a force, a problem, a pattern, an evil thought that has brought conflict and disaster beyond our wildest imaginations. In the story of everything, the villain that has caused everything to go wrong in this world, in one word, sin. Write it down in your outline. Sin is the villain. Sin is the villain. Because if we want to understand the story of everything, we have to understand the story of sin. Do you know who the Bible says brought sin into the world? That's right. Politicians. That's one of those newer translations, I think, that brings that out. But it really doesn't say that. But sometimes I wonder, don't you? I mean, when they go on break, the whole world goes, yay, or the whole country. You know, it takes some time off, guys. But seriously, sin has caused some mighty big problems in our lives and in our world. And it's crucial we understand the story of sin. In order to get the most out of it, and out of this particular sermon, we need to get a good working definition of what sin is. Sin is anything you do that God has forbidden or anything you do not do that God has commanded. Pretty good, huh? Sin is anything you do that God has forbidden or anything you do not do that God has commanded. Sin is not difficult to figure out. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 19, it says that the acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Obvious. When you see two people in love, it's obvious, isn't it? Oh, I I look at Austin and Emily all the time. It's obvious they sappy look at each other and just now when you've been married for a while it's hard to be sappy anymore, isn't it? Well now really you can be. Depends on you. You can either let that spark go or you can rekindle that fire. Amen. Every day, guys, get up and rekindle that fire with that wife. Make it obvious that you're in love with them. Amen. Because that's important. It's important. But the essence of sin is that there's no mystery. We all know what sin is, and most of us are pretty skilled at sinning. In fact, as I look around this room, I know I myself have ventured into the world of sin uh, more often than I want to admit, but I believe I'm in good company here as I look around this room. Some of you, I know that for a fact, but my lips are sealed. Sin when I sin is when I say I don't want to do I, excuse me I want to do what I want to do and when I want to do it that's what sin is I want to do what I want to do when I want to do it and so we sin because we like it and because deep down we have a soft spot for that villain called sin how do I know because I struggle with it every day And perhaps you do as well. 
But I think it helps us if we look at the origins of sin. You may have heard the story before about the serpent in the garden that tempts Eve with the fruit, but really the serpent was not was not the one who introduced sin into the human experience. It was the first humans, Adam and Eve. The story of everything begins with God creating the world. It was a perfect place for perfect people in a perfect setting designed to facilitate perfect relationships with creatures made in His perfect image and His perfect likeness. Let's take a look at Genesis 1.27 up here. So God created man in His own image. In the image of God, He created him male and female. He created them. <laughs> so God put us here. God did it. And He loved man so much and His creation so much that He would come and literally walk through the Garden of Eden to be with them. Let's look at uh, Genesis 3. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as He was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Yeah, this is when they realized that they had messed up. But isn't it great that God came and walked in the coolness of the day? And they heard Him walking? Oh, I love that. Heaven was a cool place. Kind of like global warming that we're experiencing now. Isn't it fun? I just think God, God has such a great sense of humor, doesn't He? They were all meeting over in Europe in a big conflab on global warming. And they couldn't get in because of the snow. And they had to rush back to Washington because of the snow. I just love it. I just love what God does. He just goes, yeah, I'll just try this. <laughs> so much fun. But God didn't want to force this relationship with Adam and Eve. And He doesn't want to force the relationship with you and me. Because the relationship that we develop with God requires the ability to choose. To choose. So in the middle of the garden are two trees, the tree of life and the tree of good and evil. One that gives life that they could eat from and one that would bring death that they could, they were told not to eat of. And so there is a decision that had to be made. And it's really an easy decision. Don't eat the one that causes death, right? But why would God put a tree there in the middle of that garden that they couldn't eat from? He's a cruel God, isn't He? How dare Him put a tree in there that's going to cause death? What kind of God is that? Why do little babies die? Why does cancer come on good Christian people? Why do people not overcome surgeries that they have and pass away on the, on the operating table? Why don't they get through recovery? I mean, these are solid Christian people. And God, we need them. Why are you taking these people? You're a cruel God. Any of those thoughts ever come across your mind? I have cancer. Are you kidding me? Man, I'm a servant of the Lord. I've been serving the Lord faithfully all my life. And you've got, I've got cancer? You took my mother. God, I love my mother. And you took my mother. You with me? And we think the story of sin, that Adam and Eve broke the rules, they got kicked out of paradise, and humanity's been punished ever since. But it's really not about that tree, and it's about how the first humans had a choice to trust God and find life at their center of their world 
Or they could say, I think I'm going to give something outside of God a try. See, God has given you and I all that we need to be able to live and sustain life and have it abundantly and have it eternally. But we keep saying, well, you know, God, I think I'm going to try something different that's away from you. Because somehow I, I understand, I hear it's really good stuff. The story of sin is, isn't about regulations. It's about how a relationship was broken. Don't forget that in the beginning everything was loving, harmonious, and perfect the way God meant it to be. It was all supposed to be perfect, that relationship between God and Adam and Eve. The relationship between Adam and Eve. The relationship between Adam and Eve and the world. You remember what happened, don't you? God said, how do you know you're naked? What did Adam say? Well, I, I was disobedient and I, I blew it. I made a bad choice, God. Isn't that what Adam said? Oh, that's that woman you sent me. And men have been saying that all, all for every mistake we make. Well, that's that woman you sent me. She nags me to death. Nagging, nagging, nagging. <laughs> it was all perfect. But sin is really the villain. And it keeps things from being the way they're supposed to be. If we want to understand the story of everything, we have to understand the story of sin. Ran across an excerpt from a book by Don Everts, and the book title is The Smell of Sin. Listen to this. Imagine you're at home visiting your parents when one morning you're awakened by the aroma of coffee and bacon. Downstairs, your family's gathered around a table with your favorites, eggs with cheddar cheese, Bacon and sausage, fresh fruit and pancakes, and you're saying, hurry up, preacher, I'm hungry. They're, that's not in the story, but here we go. They're chatting and they're smiling, and your dad puts down his paper and he calls you over to have a seat, and then you see your mom closing the oven and turning around with a fresh pan of cinnamon rolls. And with a quick smile and a wink, she sets the pan right next to you, and it's the best breakfast you can remember, and you stuff yourself. Afterwards, you wipe your mouth, you get up and intentionally overturn the table. Food flies everywhere. Your entire family's covered in what was left of a beautiful breakfast. Plates are broken. Shards of glass cover the floor. Orange juice and hot coffee have stained the clothes of your family. A perfect moment is ruined. Your mom stares dumbstruck with the anguish of betrayal written all over her face. Sin is a betrayal. It's Adam and Eve overturning a perfect world and throwing it into the face of a loving God for no particular reason. And what did they do with all that they did? We've said to God, No, what I think I want and need is going to be at the center. It's me and mine, not us and ours. Because we tell God that all the time. Don't we? Can I get an amen there? Write this down. Sin breaks our relationship with God. The story of everything tells us that we live in a world that's broken by sin, and sin isn't about breaking the rules or breaking laws. It's about our broken relationship with God. Sin breaks and destroys the world of relationships that God created and is very passionate about. Sin is a God substitute. The Bible calls that an idol. 
So when you hear the word idol, you might think of American Idol. And if you're a few years older, uh, I seem to be traveling back in my childhood here in my memories. But remember the Brady Bunch, any of you? Peter Brady found the Tiki Idol statue when they visited Hawaii and seemed all it did was give him bad luck. Well, if you want to define idols, they are often good things that become the thing in your life. Scripture puts it this way in Romans 1, 25. They exchanged the truth of God for a what? And worshipped and served created things rather than who? Who is forever praised. Aren't all the wrong things that people do that we usually think of as sin done in pursuit of what we crave and what we worship instead of God? People lie, cheat, steal, and even kill, not because they're bad people who enjoy lying, cheating, stealing, stealing, and, and killing, but simply because lying, cheating, stealing, and killing is how to get or keep what they want, which is money, fame, power, approval, sexual gratification, whatever the idol is hanging around their own neck. People do the, uh, the awful things we hear about in the news because they're chasing after something else, something that has become the most important thing in their life to get something that we feel we just have to have to be complete. None of it completes us. Sin becomes progressive in nature. Sin also is addictive. Would you read for me Ephesians 4.19 up on the board? Read it out loud. Sin causes something that is not God to start taking on God-like qualities in our lives. And when something other than God becomes our identity, it inevitably becomes a deep addiction. We get hooked. We always look at drugs and we always look at alcohol and we go, oh my. What about eating and smoking and lying and... Slapping your kids around and beating your wife up and or getting beat up by your wife. You know, I don't know. These things can run the gamut, can't they? And you know it's not a complex idea when you start to deal with it. Things look good and all of a sudden we get hooked into them. I guarantee you we could all lose weight if the food wasn't pretty. Amen? I'm telling you, even at a buffet table, they have to mass produce that food, right? But boy, they've got it fixed up where it's just, oh my. I mean, you walk in and your whole, your whole world just goes, all right. Especially the desserts. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> you ever been to Las Vegas? If you can think it, you can find it. It's on the street corners going, Hey, big spender. Yeah, you got it, huh? Yeah. You ever been to the River Spirit Casino? Don't raise your hand. I could go out there on most Saturday nights. 
find a number of our folk, I know, but uh, I thought about going. I'm just sitting up on the front step there and just have my sign that says, Jesus loves you. Why don't you just hand the money to me now and save us a lot of time. Uh, I haven't tried that yet because I don't want to go to jail, but uh, it, it all looks good, doesn't it? It all looks good. The casinos look good. The lights on the machines look good. And every now and then they'll go off. Everybody's going, I can do that. I can do that. They don't build buildings like that and have fancy looking machines like that to give money to you. Amen. Yeah, but you just don't understand, preacher. Just one more. Just one more. I got it. I got it. I got it. Just one more thousand dollar debt. Just one more. And then guys named Luigi come looking for you. Okay. If you center your life on your spouse or partner, you'll become emotionally dependent, jealous, and controlling. If you center your life and identity on your career, you'll erode your relationships with family and friends. And if it doesn't go well, you'll feel like a failure. If you center your life and identity on money and possessions, you'll be eaten up with worry and jealousy about what you have or don't have. If you center your life and identity on approval, you will be constantly living in the fear of criticism and never say the hard things to help your friends. Good friends tell you when you're drunk. Good friends don't let you drive drunk. Good friends pull you away from the buffet table. Okay, you see? Well, that's a little more socially acceptable. No, it may be, but it's wrong. Are you with me? Fill in your blank. If you center your life on noble causes, you will divide your world into good and bad people and either do or don't, who either do or don't support that cause. I mean, I've seen people get radical about their cause, and if you don't support their cause, there's something wrong with you. Facebook is full of them. I get these cause invitation stuff all the time. I open it. I ignore it. I have power right there. I don't want to play Farmville or Yoville or any other kind of ville. I'm not going to send you a barn or a, fa- or a cow so you can milk it. I ain't going to do it. That's my cow. Keep it. I don't even know what it is. Hallelujah. If you center your life and identity on religion, oh, here we go, religion and morality, and you live up to your own standards and become self-righteous and judgmental, and if you don't quit, you'll be utterly destroyed. In the name of God, the Baptist church in Kansas goes and criticizes our military and calls them all sorts of names. In the name of God. Hey, we've done enough of that, haven't we, folks? This should be a lighthouse for the sick and the lost. If we become a hotel for the sanctified instead of an emergency room for the sinner, we're in the wrong business. You come here and we'll help you find Jesus again. We'll help you get reconnected with God again. Because whenever anything besides God becomes our center and identity, we end up living with the illusion that if we just get what we want, we'll be happy and complete. The two worst things, it's been said, the two worst things that can happen to a person is not getting what they want and getting what they want. <laughs> so what's wrong with our young people today. They get everything. <laughs> they pucker that lip, 
run them crocodile tears. Boy, out comes the money. You don't have the money, but you're going to buy your kid. You're going to make sure they got the best in all of it. I don't want my kids to suffer like I suffered when I was growing up. Well, you somehow survived. Cut the tap off a little bit. Make them struggle. It wouldn't hurt, huh? Amen. Yeah. Make them hurt. My boys, when they started buying cars, it was bad because the two older older ones bought a car together. But one of them wasn't old enough to drive it. But he paid for it. He had to have somebody with him to drive it. Well, the other one could just jump in and take off. And the other one that could just take off didn't understand why the other one just wanted some time in the car behind the wheel. He said, but I paid as much as you did. He said, it doesn't matter. I'm the only one who has a license. It was fun to watch that argument. Sin is devastating. Read for me Romans 6.23 on the screen up front. I hope. The effects of sin go far beyond just us as individuals. If my sin only affected me, that'd be okay. That'd be one thing. But my sin doesn't only affect me. It affects those around me. Why is it that parents make some changes in life when they have children? Because they finally wake up and realize that it's not about you anymore. Why do they finally start getting back to church when they should have been all the time? Well, it's because they want to make sure their kids are growing up in church. Why? Because there's a value system they learn from the Word of God. And you know that. That's why you're a parent and that's why you're a good parent. Is you want your kid to know that. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But sin can be devastating. When we turn from God, all hell breaks loose in this natural world. The entire world is now subject to frustration and in bondage to decay. And the world will not be right until we are right with God. Sin is a universal problem. Romans 5.12 Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, and in this way death came to all men because all sinned. Death touches everyone. You're not going to escape death. You'll either do it with a frown on your face or with a smile. If you're in Christ and you are in a relationship with Christ, you can smile. You can smile and look death in the face and go, nee, 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 nee. Boy, I'm a preacher. I don't know about it. Hey, get, are, you, are you with me? It's true, isn't it? Because the song we sang growing up as a kid, this world is not my home I'm no you're missing the line I'm hanging on to everything I've got because I ain't ready to go Lord what will I do (laughs) Romans 7 24 Paul says what a wretched man I am who will rescue me from this body of death many of you know Mark Barrier when Mark uh, when I was in college Mark Barrier taught uh, Romans, and he taught about this body of death in Romans 7. And he said the Hebrew and the Greek teaching in culture 
is if you murdered somebody, that person that you murdered, they were put, they were, you were tied to their body. Arm, arm in arm, hand in hand, face to face. They were right here. So you could, and they, and they would, they would force their, they would glue their eyes open, so you had to stare in their eyes. And then they threw both of you in a pit and waited for you to die. And Paul was using that illustration when he said, deliver me from this body of death. Now that makes it all come alive for you, doesn't it? And what body of death? That sin that so easily entangles us. Do you really need it that much? Do you really need it that much? The consequences of sin are great. But thanks be to God that through Jesus Christ, I'm freed from that body of death. <laughs> Makes a big difference when you think about it from that, that perspective. So how do we go about getting victory over sin? Very quickly, I must come first come to grips with the fact that sin is the problem of the world and sin is my problem. Because it's a betrayal, we can't fix it by simply following rules. And we can follow all the rules that we want. We can clean up our act and we can become the best person we could possibly be and still not have God in the center of our lives. Betrayal can only be fixed relationally. Relationally. So we have to bring up another word that uh, may be even more unpopular than sin, and that word is the word repent. Sin, solution, is repent. Read for me up on the screen Acts 2, 37 and 38. When I was in Bible college, we used to make fun of wild evangelistic preachers. That's what Bible college students do. We sit around with our pious judgment about all these guys that are out there in these churches and their preaching and their style of preaching. And I used to love the old preachers that would do the old style evangelistic repent, you know. You'd say the word repent. They would say, repent! <laughs> you know, they got to shake their head and their jowls and all that stuff. And you feel like, whoa, I've got to do something. What did he just tell me? To repent. And they get all red-faced and their veins pop out because you've got to repent. And it's like some uh, a, a penance is being thrown on you. Because we think, and we, we grew up thinking that to repent means I've got to feel really bad. I've got to be sorry for something I've done. And then I've got to promise to never do what it was, do what it was I was doing. And I've got to promise that I'm going to make it right with God. Right? That's wrong. There's two words in the Greek and the Hebrew that hopefully will help you see what I'm talking about. The first word is the Greek word metanoia. And it means a complete change of direction. You're going to do a 180 and you're going to head in the opposite direction. Change what you know is wrong. That's why you can overcome any addiction. 
we have young, young men in our congregation who stood and testified to you about how they overcame alcoholism and drug addiction. They stood right here and told you that. And to this day, they still overcome it. Amen? And we get excited about that. I was, I was still, I'm still overwhelmed by Eddie's testimony, falling 980-something feet from a parachute that didn't open. Or it opened partially, I guess. But anyway, he hits the ground with his head. That's probably what saved him, because that much up there. Like he's a knothead, that's right. But the good news is, God had a reason for him to live, and he's standing here, because the doctor said there's no reason why he ought to be. Wasn't that a great testimony? It's on YouTube, by the way. E-D-D-I-E Roberts testimony. It comes right up. It's awesome. You ought to have others look at it. But see, it's changing what you know. But the Old Testament word to me is even more impactful. It's the word teshuva. And in the Hebrew, it means to return, to go back to where you belong. To return, to go back to where you belong. It's about realizing the direction of your life not toward God and returning back to His loving embrace. It's about rediscovering that identity and who is the center of my life. It's about being complete. And all throughout the Old Testament, this was God's cry to His people. Repent and return to Me. Come back home. Come back home. I'm telling you, when you go away to college or you get married and you move away, there is just something special about getting home again. Now, far be it, I don't want to stay very long, but I still want to go every now and then. Because you walk in, you smell those smells when mom's in there cooking. Right? And she hugs you and you feel that warmth and that love. and Woo! It's awesome. And we get it around the holiday season. What happens the other ten months out of the year? We get mean after the first year, and third third month of the year we get real mean. Fourth month because the IRS shows up. But Jesus tells the story that many literary experts say is the most powerful story that's ever been written. It's an amazing story about a son who rejects his father and heads off to a faraway land and centers his life on doing just what he wants to do. He gets what he thought he wanted, but he leaves him. That leaves him empty and desperate. Look what he says. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. You see, sin hurts not only God, but it hurts your family. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and he went to his father. But I want you to focus on verse 20. Because while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion and ran to his son. Threw his arms around him and kissed him. That's the picture of your God who loves you more than you'll ever know. In this story, this prodigal story, the father had never given up on that son. He'd never stopped looking for him and was overwhelmed at the sight of his son coming back home. Some of my favorite commercials I watched during the holiday season are those when the soldiers are returning home and they're getting off the plane. And, oh, oh. 
and how excited the children are to see their dad or their mom. The one that just tugs at my heart is the dad standing there with the daughter and the mom in her fatigues gets off the bus with her big old backpack on. I'm going, man, that's just something wrong with that picture. That's what God's been up to ever since sin entered the story. He's been calling people to repent, to return, to come home. And people keep walking away from their relationship with God, and God just keeps on coming after them, calling them to come come home and calling them to return as the worship team comes to help me close. The story of everything tells us that God's intent from the beginning of time was for us to live in complete community and harmony with Him. The villain in the story is sin, and it puts distance between us and God. We were created to be in relationship with God, and that's where we belong. It's where we belong. And when we repent from sin, we return home to God, we go back. The good news here is that just like the father in the prodigal son story, our God refuses to give up on us, and He anxiously awaits for us to come back to Him. He's waiting this morning. Our whole church, our whole church is built on the belief that the lost and the hurting and the disillusioned and the distanced people can find their way back to God. We want to help you. God wants to help you. But He can unless you lower that threshold of pride and let Him reach in there again. But He's ready. Oh, He's ready. So what do you need to repent of? I don't mean what do you need to feel bad about and stop doing what's wrong. I mean, what do you put in the place where only God belongs? Do you see how the things that you do that hurt others hurt God and hurt yourself? They all flow from something else being in the priority position more than God. And that's what sin is. And if you dare answer that question, here's the second one. Will you come back? Will you come back? As soon as you make the decision to return to God, guess what? He will run to you. He will run to you. There's nothing to be afraid of. He's waiting. He's calling. He's ready to receive you in His kingdom. And even better than that, He wants to share His kingdom with you. His kingdom is your kingdom. Repent and come home. Father, we ask You this morning to do a mighty work in Your people here. Touch their hearts. Touch their lives. Reassure them of Your love for them. And God, all You ask is that we just take a step toward home and You will run to meet us. In Jesus' name, Amen. If you've got a decision to make, make it as we stand and sing.